Praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Almighty God. Hallelujah. Father, we give you the praise and honor and glory. We thank you, Lord, for this day, for all things that you do for us, for teaching us and guiding us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the word that you placed before us today. And I pray, Almighty God, that this word be taken in and utilized by us each and every day. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, everyone. This is Minister MacMillan greeting you today. Now, today we're going to be discussing Mark, uh, the fifth chapter. But before we get to that, I have some interesting facts I want to share with you. Um, in Mark, <clears throat> there's a word called Christos, which means the anointed one or Messiah. Uh, Mark was considered an evangelist, even though he was called by God. Uh, he had the first gospel written, um, which he also uh, helped Mark and Luke to write theirs. Now, Mark's root, <clears throat> the root word for Mark in Latin is called Marcus. Interesting for those of us who have children or grandchildren named Marcus, uh, meaning warlike manly and the greek meaning is malakos hope i'm pronouncing that right soft and tender the hebrew root <laughs> means history only and that is pretty interesting because the uh gospel of mark literally is history of christ um he was also known as John Mark, uh, you will find that in the book of Acts. Uh, he was known as John Mark and he was uh, the apostle that was the assistant accompanying Paul and Barnabas on their uh, ministry journeys. However, There's some interesting facts about that journey, which we're going to get into. Um, <clears throat> Mark is the only gospel with two endings, or let's say perhaps two endings. The first was uh, considered uncomfortable for the latter scribes, and it was supposedly changed. However, others say that it was lost. And then there's still others that say it was never written, okay? Um, Mark is the only uh, apostle uh, who was called a lion. Uh, which we know the symbol of the lion is power, pride, magnificence, nobility, and courage. Mark emphasized the resurrection power, the majestic and regality of Christ, and the characteristics of his gospel. Uh, 
Unfortunately, uh, Mark had a very terrible ending. <clears throat> he was martyred, true, in the very city that uh, he had started uh, the church. Um, this was in Alexandria. Uh, Mark was dragged through the streets with a rope around his neck until he died. That's uh, that's pretty, you know, pretty sad. Uh, Mark's gospel was about Christ's words, his deeds, and his death. In comparison with Matthew's uh, gospel, which covered ancestry, childhood, birth, uh, education, his words, deeds, his death, and of course, his afterlife. Um, now, after the angels delivered Peter from jail, uh, he went to Mark's mother's house uh, in the scriptures, it says Mary, mother of John's house, which is actually was Mark's house because Mark was known as John Mark. That was his real name. Uh, this house was very large, held a lot of people. And so we can assume that, you know, he was pretty well off, him and his mother. Doesn't speak about his father, so apparently... Uh, maybe his father wasn't in the picture. Maybe he had died or perhaps he just wasn't there. Um, now, there's also a passage where they say that um, why he, this is why I want to get into earlier, why he was with uh, Barnabas and Paul. Uh, it is said uh, that he was a relative of Barnabas. Some say he was a cousin, as in Colossians 4 and 10, whereas others say he was Barnabas' nephew. However, he was some kind of relative to Barnabas. And on their trip, their first trip, uh, something happened between Paul and Mark. And Mark left. He left Paul and Barnabas. And after that, Paul didn't want anything else to do with him. Um, he didn't want to work with him. And on the second trip, he refused to take uh, Mark. And it caused the split between uh, him and Barnabas. And Barnabas ended, ended up taking Mark with him. And Paul took Timothy with him. So... Uh, we see there was some contingency, like there is, uh, we see that today in uh, many of our religious functions. That's just man, you know. Some things happen and people split. But we have to remember how to come back together, how to be strong enough to rejoin ourselves. And this is what happened in the case with Paul and uh Mark, they later did come back together, um, even though they had walked away from each other. Even his uh, 
his relative Barnabas, uh, Barnabas left Paul. He, you know, they all did come back together later on. Um, it mentions uh, later on how when Paul was in jail, uh, he called for uh, Mark and said that Mark would be of great use to him at this time. Uh, it's believed that this took place because of uh, Mark's age. Mark was very young at the time uh, when the church, the new church came about. And so he was very immature. Uh, he wasn't mature at the time. And I think that might be just uh, be the case. And, you know, being that that was his uh, uncle or his cousin, you know, they were trying to protect him, but at the same time teach him. And I think that might have been uh, what the case was. And Paul might have been headstrong, you know, um, not wanting to see that. However, whatever the case was, the, uh, the main thing was that they did come back together and they did work together. So I just wanted to share those facts with you before we got into reading some more about Mark. Uh, because, you know, Mark was young and he did know Christ. I think uh, when he was a child, perhaps since Christ did come to his mother's house, along with many of the others, I think that, you know, he was young and uh, he was there. Um, there is a mention in, in Matthew of a young man who came into the garden when they arrested Christ and he was wrapped in a sheet. Some say that that was Mark, a uh, young man, okay, and that it was him who ran away uh, from the um, jailers or the guards uh, when they arrested Christ and they literally pulled his sheet out from around him. Um, why was he in the sheet? Well, we don't know. Maybe it was, maybe he heard a commotion and grabbed the sheet and wrapped around him and ran out to see. You know, we don't, we don't actually know, but we do know that person had to live around there because, you know, he was in the sheet. Okay, enough with the facts. Let's get on with the story and see what we are going to be blessed with today. All right, um, this is Mark 5. They went across the lake to the region of Gershon's. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Now, this man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him. Uh, no one could could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the iron on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day amongst the tomb and in the hills, 
he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. And he shouted at the top of his voice, Why do you, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? The name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And I want to pause here for a second. <clears throat> you see, there's certain things going on here. He had, he had, I won't say super strength, but he had so much strength that he could break iron chains. That's a lot of strength. And one person in itself can't do that. Okay. Not unless you're on steroids or something. Um, so that tells you something was happening with this man. But then the mere fact that when Jesus spoke to them, spoke to this man, the demons answered, not the man, the demons answered and said they were, they were legions. In other words, we have many, we have many, many demons. Now, at 10, he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. Now, why wouldn't they want to go out of the area? That's the question one would have to ask. What did they mean? Were they speaking of in the uh, earth or were they speaking of in another realm? A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside, and the demons begged Jesus, send us amongst the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. So they actually went to the place where they didn't want to go, but they went in such a fashion that, you know, you know, when people think they're getting away with something, they don't. Same thing with these demons. They thought they were going to get away and they weren't. <clears throat> okay. Um, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town. And the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by legions of demons. Sitting there dressed and in in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. 
As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. See, Jesus had a reason for not him following with him, because if he had followed him, the word wouldn't have gotten out. He needed him to evangelize. <laughs> okay? The word had to get forth in that area. Uh, when Jesus had again crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. And then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd followed and pressed against him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Now, the woman believed that if she touched him, that she would be healed. And all she did was touch his clothes and immediately she was healed. So this is why I say, when you pray about something, before you pray about it, know in your Noah that after you pray, it's done, you're healed. If you don't believe it, then you won't receive it. <clears throat> so like this woman, she perceived it first, then, she spoke it into existence. She took hold of his clothes and said, if I touch his clothes, I'll be healed. And she believed it. And so it happened. While Jesus was still... Um, <clears throat> okay. Uh, at once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. And he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples asked, answered. And yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman knowing what had happened to her came and fell at her feet, <clears throat> came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear told him the whole truth. 
And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering. Now, while Jesus was still speaking, some man came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus took the synagogue ruler. Don't be afraid. Just believe. See? He's telling him right now. He might, you might have heard the report that your daughter is dead. But I'm telling you to believe she's not. Okay? He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, John, the brother of James. And when they came to the house of the synagogue ruler, notice the people he took, Peter, James, John, and the brother of James. John, the brother of James. So there's three of them, Peter, James, and John, okay? Those three, why? Because those three were mature men. They were working in accordance with what he was specifying. He was saying to the people, he was teaching his walking, his ways. These three had already acknowledged it, believed it, walked in it. Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but sleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him. So that's five. And went in where the child was. Five is grace. Grace is in existence. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha, Kum, which means little girl. I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. 12. One is the kingdom, two is the witness. The kingdom and the witness was in existence with grace. <clears throat> At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Now, for those of you who don't understand what I'm talking about, uh, about the number one and two, which makes up 12, uh, you can look in some of my earlier podcasts where I explain about the numbers and what they mean, okay? We're going to go over that again Um because that's very important when you're reading to realize what is in play during the time of all this. Uh, there were five people besides Christ in the room. That was grace. Okay. The Lord is merciful. So grace and mercy is in existence. Then comes the kingdom into the room along with the witness to see that all is done, right? <laughs> okay. Um, 
He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Jesus left there, this is chapter six, and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they said. What's this wisdom that has been given him that he even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this the sister here with us? And they took offense of him. These are the questions they asked. Okay, what's the wisdom that has been given him that he even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James and Joseph, Judas and Simon? Now these are all his brothers, Judas, Simon, John, James, uh, jo sorry, Joseph, James, okay? Aren't his sisters here with us? These are questions they asked him. And they took offense at him. Why would you take offense at this man? Oh, because who does he think he is? He's just like us. He's no different from us, as he claimed to be, blah, blah, blah. And don't we see this today with people? We see this today with people in the, in the religious places, churches, synagogues, uh, people get jealous of one another. Oh, why are you claiming him to be uh, a minister or evangelist? I'm just as good as them. Better. Why, why do they get that name and title? See? So this is what was happening here. Uh... Jesus said to them, only in his hometown, amongst his relatives, and in his own house, is a prophet without honor. So even some of his brothers and sisters were questioning this. Okay? Notice he says, even in his own household. Okay? He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Believe me, I understand exactly what this man is saying. I have gone through and still go through this same thing because people know you for who you were back then, back when you were coming up. Family members know you as family members. They don't know you as the person that has been called by God. So it's hard for them to understand that. It's hard for them to get that. Uh, all they see is this person that they knew or that they know. But they don't know the other side unless they are part of the body of Christ. Okay? And even then, it's hard. Uh, again, because as I said, sometimes jealousy rise up and plays a big part. He 
could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Why? Because he would think that because he came from there, and this is how we all think, that we came from there. This is our family. These are friends. These are relatives. These are people we know that they would accept him because he's family, friends. But that's not the case. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the 12 to him. He sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra turning. And this is why I said recently I have a problem with a lot of the stuff that's going on in the, uh, in the world today with our churches. Uh, I, it really kind of uh, jolts me a little bit because here was the man that started it all. Uh, part man, I should say, uh, because uh, really Jesus was the son of God. So uh, he was spiritual, but he came in the body of a man. Um, even so at that, he lived as one of us here on the earth. And he told them, you know, literally, don't worry about food, don't worry about money. Um, now, don't worry about food and money because he would take care of them. Uh, those things that they wore would be taken care of. Uh, those things weren't that important. Um, what was important was the word that they were going to spread, the word that they were going to teach the people. That was the most important of all. They can get all these other things on their way. In fact, many of the people uh, that they went into would give them these things as uh, as uh, uh, payment for giving this work. Okay. Um, Uh, he said, uh, when you enter a house, stay there until you leave the town. And if the place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet uh, when you leave as a testimony against them. You know, many people today have this uh, situation going on. Um, you know, they're in a place where, they, uh, where they're not accepted. Um they're not wanted. And, um, you know, as the word says, you should literally shake the dust off your feet and go. But before doing that, you should pray and make sure this is the right move. Uh, sometimes God doesn't want you to move. Sometimes, you know, he wants you to stay uh, because you are basically the glue in that situation. Uh, you are 
you are helping someone even though you don't realize it or someone's, uh, even though you're not quite uh, happy or, or, or in comfort, you're very discomforted. So you always pray on that first to make sure. And of course, if it is not where you're supposed to be, the Lord will tell you. And of course, I, I must say you should ask, where should you go as well? And let him direct you. Uh, they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Now, I want to say this very uh, quickly. Uh, most people today um, don't think that they can heal anyone and uh, they don't think they can chase out demons. Uh, you know, many people in the church will tell you, yeah, yeah, chase out demons and all this stuff. And, but they really don't uh, believe. They say, well, that was back then. That, that's not now. No, that's not the case. It's still being done today. And no, it's not something uh, that it goes to special people. Uh, you have a knack for this. No, that's nonsense. Everybody has the authority to call out demons and to heal. You just have to believe and you have to call upon the Lord when you're doing these things. You can't just work on your own authority and power. This comes from him. So through your spiritual realm and prayer, it comes. Okay, so if you see somebody sick, you pray to God and ask him, Lord, use me to help this person to heal them through your power. Watch it, see if it doesn't happen. God will do it for you. He will use you to heal that person. Okay, all right, let's move on. Uh, 14, King Herod, held, uh, King Herod heard about this. For Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. And that is why miracle powers are at work in him. And others said he is Elijah. And still others claimed he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John the man I beheaded, had been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had bound him and put him in prison. He did this because Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Heronius nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. Now, why is this? Because we know in the Hebrew, uh, in, uh, in the Hebrew way of life, okay, um, when the brothers dies, the other brothers could marry the wife of a brother. But the problem here was that he wasn't dead. He was alive still. 
And so what he had done was he had committed adultery. Okay. And this was not something that you uh, would ignore. This is something that was frowned upon and was spoken against. It's part of the commandments. Okay. All right. So Heronius nursed a grudge against John and went to kill him, but she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him. Yes. Herod knew. In his Noah, he knew who John was, but he was afraid. He was just a fearful man. He didn't have much strength. He had all this uh, fleshly power, but he had no strength. <laughs> Knowing him to be righteous and holy man, okay? Herod knew who he was. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. So what do you think was happening here? He was being drawn, okay? Had his wife Heronius not interfered, he would have been drawn in eventually. Okay, let's see. Following the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and the military commanders and the leaders, leading men of Galilee. Now, when the daughter of Heronius came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. And the king said to the girl, ask me anything you want and I'll give it to you. Now, here's where he made his mistake, okay? Knowing his wife and knowing she's a young girl, he should have known, but he didn't. It wasn't, he wasn't even thinking about it. His mind was offset by the, the activities around him. And of course, you know, flesh was flying all over the place. He's got this big banquet with all these high officials, you know. These things weren't going through his mind. But of course, we know the adversary is always on high alert. Any way he can get in there, he's going to get in there. And this was the prime opportunity. So, moving on to 23. And he promised her with an oath. When whatever you ask, I will give you up to half my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask for? Now, you would think that this man's given half the kingdom, that you would take it, right? Even the mother, uh, well, give me and my mother half the kingdom. You never know when the king is going to uh, throw you away like tissue paper for somebody else or for something else. At least have half the kingdom, but no. <laughs> Her mindset was strictly on getting even, okay? The head of John the Baptist, she answered, see? At once the girl hurried into the king with the request. Now see, the girl is speaking for the mother. She's not thinking. I want you to give me 
right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oath and his dinner guest, see, he was put into a situation he couldn't back out of. He did not want to refuse her, so he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl and she gave it to her mother. On hearing of this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. And then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he was compact, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. So really they didn't get that much rest. They literally uh, got in their boats to get away from the people to get rested and crossed over the waters to the other side, which wasn't that far over, okay? It's like a lake. You go from one side of the lake to the other. And the people literally ran around the lake <laughs> from other towns and got there before they could even land their boat. But even so at that, now think, uh, you're trying to get away from a bunch of people and you end up not just with those people, but even more people by the time you get to where you're going. Now, normally most people would go, please go away from me. I got to have rest. Leave me alone. And they wouldn't do anything. But not so in the case of our father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. He took mercy upon them and began to teach by this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it is already very late. Send the people away so they can go to surrounding countrysides and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in a group on the green grass. So they sat in the groups of 150, of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up to the heavens, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. 
He also divided the two fish amongst them as well. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethesda to Bethesda, while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on the mountain to pray. Now notice his actions, okay? After feeding the people, he dismissed them. He let them go, right? So they could, they could get home. Then he sends his disciples on to Bethesda while he in turn goes up to the mountains to pray, not to rest, to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them about the fourth watch of the night. He went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. So see, still, they're preaching the word, but they're not really getting all of it, not really understanding who is teaching them. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. And they were completely amazed. For they had not understood about the loaves. <clears throat> for they had not understood about the loaves. Their heart were hardened. When they had crossed over, they landed at Jesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus and they ran throughout the whole region and cried. Uh, they ran throughout the whole region, sorry, and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into the villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplace. And they begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. Chapter 7. 
The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees of all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to tradition of the elders. Okay? It's all traditional. It has nothing to do with clean hands. They just do it because it is part of their ceremony. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as washing of cups and pitchers and kettles. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the traditions of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? Okay, this reminds me of a lot of things that goes on in many of our edifices. Um, people come in and they do things differently from the way that uh, the church officials do. And, you know, they're called out on it. And sometimes these things, it's not necessary to call out on because what you're doing, again, as with the Pharisees, is traditional. It's something that you do in your church. It's not something that people do on a regular outside. So there's no need for you to call that person out. Know that that's what the situation is. If you want to say something, you would pull them over quietly. But even that is not exactly right in the eyes of the Lord. Um... Why? Because eventually they will fall into place. Okay. Uh, he replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites as it is written. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And they worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. See? You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to traditions of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of setting aside the commandments of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say, if uh, you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is Corbin, that is a gift devoted to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. See? You're preaching one thing, love, uh, kindness, respect. But then when 
someone does something in your uh, facility that doesn't match up to your standards, your rules, your regulations, then you're ready to pounce on them and judge them. And was the Lord tells you not to do that. Um, 14, again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing aside, a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of the man that makes him unclean. See? So you're worried about some dirt going into him being unclean. That's not the case. It's what's coming out of him. What's coming out of him means what's what's inside of him. Cursing, swearing, foul mouth, words that hurt. Deceiving words, lying words. Okay. Um, again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, understand this. Nothing outside of a man can make him unclean, but going into him, rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. And after he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? He said. Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. You see that? In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. So, unfortunately, we have a big argument going on about what foods you should eat, blah, blah, blah. But here it is right here. This is Mark uh, 7 and 19. Yes, 17, 7 and 19 in Mark, where he, he says what goes into the body is not unclean. It's what comes out. It's what comes out of you that's not clean. Okay, so food goes into the body. All you have to do is pray over your food. It's clean. He went on, what comes out of man is what makes him unclean for murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slaughter, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyree. He entered the house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as uh, she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek born in Syria, Phenosia. Uh, 
she begged Jesus to drive the demons out of her daughter. First, let the child eat all they want. Oh, sorry. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her. For it is not right to take the child's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she replied, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demons have left your daughter. She went home and found her child laying on the bed and the demons gone. By faith, everyone, by faith. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of disciples. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged him to place his hand on the man. And after he took him aside away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spat and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to the heavens and with a deep sigh, he said, Ephalitha, which means be open. At this, the man's ears were open, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed in amazement. He had done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. So even though the Lord told them not to, man is going to do it anyway. He's going to run in town. And so I think at this point, Jesus might have been... Um, um, trying to not let it spread so quickly, uh, what he was doing, uh, because he wasn't ready yet for uh, for his uh, demise. And so he kept telling them, don't do this because it's not time yet. But of course, you know, man's going to do it anyway. Okay, that's going to be our reading for today. I hope that this was uh, interesting, not only interesting, but beneficial to those listening. All right, let's bow our heads. Dear Lord, we thank you, Almighty God, for this word today. Father, we ask that you continue to teach us and guide us in all things. We thank you, Lord, for this word today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everyone, this is Minister McMillan saying have a blessed evening and good night.